I'll start off with saying this. Do you believe that kids are, I don't want to say softer, but it's, you have to change the way you coach or the way you were taught uh, by Huggins to coach to the kids today? It sounds like I'm an old man saying, well, kids today, but yeah, yeah. in reference to your question, times are different. But I also think, and this will sound maybe sacrilegious to some, I don't think that parents have to go to every activity that their kid is a part of. You know, it's their kids are going to be involved, but if they become so dependent, looking in the stands, where's my mom? Where's my dad? Where, mm -hmm. You know, the ultimate goal for kids when they get out of school is to become independent. Yeah. And if they're dependent forever, it's pretty tough to shake that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to me, Casa. Make yourself at home. Do your do. Welcome to my pad. This your lab. Go create your move. I got a crib out of water. Say me, Casa, to Casa. What's good, everybody? It's 99 miles per hour with Percy Garner. And uh, today we have a special guest. And uh, I appreciate everyone stopping by. If you're new here, make sure you click and uh, like and subscribe. And, uh, you know, we got content, we got pitching tips, uh, but we're going to be focusing a lot on a podcast again and, and getting some more guests up here. So uh, I'm very excited about today. As you can see, I got this book uh, held up. Uh, I got a long time uh, mentor for me, coach, teacher, never had in my class, which I'm glad we'll, we'll figure out <laughs> some stuff about that later. <laughs> uh, but uh, new book. Uh, I think you should get it. We'll put links down in the description if you're uh, wanting to purchase the book, uh, whether that's Kindle edition or if you like the the tangible book like uh, most readers do. Um, also, we are looking for sponsors. Uh, we finally <laughs> have, uh, you know, we're, we're boosting up. We got a, I don't, should I tell them, Josh? Nah, I, we got some surprises coming up. We may be doing some other things with the podcast here shortly. So um, looking forward to that. But today, uh, we have someone that, I, like I said, I've admired for a long time, um, and obviously has uh, writing skills that I do not uh, have, and uh, a lot of people I admire who have skills and talents that I don't have, and maybe, not saying I'm jealous, but, um, you know, a lot of athletes always like to sing, I can't sing, and, and, and vice versa, which I don't think my guest today can sing, but... <laughs> Without further ado, uh, teacher, coach, uh, educator, um, writer, all of the above. Uh, today we have Mike Gunther. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Purse. I uh, chuckled when you were saying longtime association. I remember when you used to come to basketball camp when uh, your head was shaved <laughs> and uh, you were running around, man, just full of energy. Yeah. And full of skill, but it wasn't uh, fully developed at that point. Oh, I like how you put that. I appreciate it. <laughs> full of skill, but not developed. I liked it. I liked it. Uh, basketball, actually, I don't know if I ever told you this, but basketball was my favorite mm -hmm. sport. Um, yeah. You know, that was my mom's main sport. And my mm -hmm. dad, I always heard, heard stories about him being great at basketball. Um, but yeah, I had to work a lot harder at basketball to mm -hmm. be to be uh, you know uh, at the same level as I was on on baseball and football. So sure. I let other people you know take the front seat in basketball. So mm -hmm. uh. <laughs> well, you had the advantage; you had that big hind end by the time you were in <laughs> high school, and you were great at checking and rebounding and doing your role. Yeah, you were a pleasure to coach. Well, I appreciate that, and I always tell Definitely. people I was really good 
at uh, rebounding and setting picks. So <laughs> I didn't have the big responsibility of having to score and have the pressure to make the ball go in the hole. But I could uh, grab the ball off the re- off the boards and and find the open man. So luckily we had people that could could do all the other stuff and great coaching. So um, you know we'll get into that because mm-hmm. you know you sure. were an amazing coach, and then we'll also talk about why you know, that you kind of inspired were, uh, and to get in the coaching career. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of stuff we're going to talk about, but we want to start off talking about the book, uh, sure. views from the hot seat. Again, uh, views from the hot seat. If you want to purchase it, it'll be down a uh, link in the description. Um, and I read this while I was on vacation. Um, still not completely finished. I'll admit, but, uh, there's a lot of things that I was just like, Oh crap. I know I got about 45 minutes. What do I want to focus on, but, I guess we're just going to start off the basic question of why this book, you know, why write this now, uh, now that you're retired, not educating as much now, because I feel Mm -hmm. like you're still, you're at a different level now, um, which we can touch on a little bit too, but just, just why views from the hot seat. When I retired, one of the big challenges when a person retires is what are you going to do now? Uh, When I retired, I, I didn't know whether I was ready to go or not, but because of changes in the state teachers retirement system, I was going to make as much money in my retirement at that moment as I ever would. So from a financial standpoint, it made sense for me to, to retire. So I did. And then I taught uh, part-time for nine years at Walsh university as an adjunct professor of English, which uh, I thoroughly enjoyed as well. But um, what had happened was I was trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. And I knew there were things that uh, I was good at, I felt I was, and one of them was teaching. So I really didn't want to get out of education from that perspective, with the exception of I had this opportunity to go to Walsh. And uh, that came as like within a week after I had retired. And I thought I always wanted to teach at the college level. So this is my opportunity. And uh, I relished that. It was a great, great deal of fun. So, so I did that. But in the meantime, I started writing a blog. And, and in writing my blog, it, uh, I was a bit apprehensive at first because anytime you expose your thinking, you know, you run the risk of being criticized, challenged, and so on. And I became, became comfortable when doing that. And uh, the more I did it, the more I, I got into what I was doing. But I didn't write like on a schedule. I kind of wrote when something moved me, I would get involved in that. So, uh, so that's really what I did. So for uh, nine years, I wrote blogs. And uh, finally, I decided, you know, and uh, this may sound like uh, uh, getting older, those kind of <laughs> deals. But we have, we have three grandchildren now, my wife and I. Yeah. And um, the realistic side of it is they're infants now. By the time they graduate from high school, I'll probably be about 85, 86, 87 through there. And uh, I wanted to, them to know who I was. You know, and by then I may not, you know, I may not be there, but regardless, my words will live on. So that was really a big, big motivator for me was for my grandkids. That's dope. I like that. I appreciate that. And, you know, I never really thought about, you know, writing out my thoughts. And and I know there's, you know, I'm a big technology guy and Mm -hmm. there's a new feature coming out with um, the new software for the iPhone Mm -hmm. and it's going to be called journaling. But you know, you can do more than just write. You can have photos and stuff. And I'm very excited about that feature to possibly mm-hmm. do that. And now, obviously, 
I don't plan on leaving this earth for another 35 plus years, but you never know what can happen. So, um, I've always started this big old kind of server of all the photos I've ever had in my life. So I've got about 30 terabytes of storage and I'm, uh, I'm hoping 80 years of photos can fit in there. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. I might good. have to add stuff to it, but, um, Obviously, I think there's something else down the road. And I feel like it's an educational piece, too, for grandchildren. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because I know I read books to my my kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'd be nice to just have something like that where, like, hey, this is, you know, sure. uh, this is yeah. your grandpa wrote this. And this is or your great grandpa mm-hmm. or so on and so forth. So sure. I think that's dope. That's dope. That's super cool. And, uh, you know, obviously, we're going to dive more into this book. And uh, like I said on the phone, you know, I'm like, I feel like there's so much even outside of sports that I wanted to cover. And I'm glad you wrote about in this book mm-hmm. that we might have to, you know, have you bless us with your presence again at a later date. Uh, but before we get into dive into the book and, and views in the hot seat, you know, there's something going on right now. It's kind of, you know, big if you're into sports and mm-hmm. obviously you were a basketball coach for a mm-hmm. hundred years. Um, so <laughs> what's your, you know, your take, your opinion are, first of all, are you enjoying these NBA finals? I am. Okay. I am. I, I Unfortunately, because they start so late, I usually make it to halftime and then I fade and watch the highlights the next day. Yeah, uh, I'm in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it, it's nice when they, I guess, play in Miami eventually, but mm-hmm. I, I was really like, oh, no, if we get, you know, it's always nice that they do East and West Coast. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm enjoying it not being the same teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am that kind of gets, uh, but um, I, I'm like, I'm hesitant just because I didn't really gravitate towards Tim Duncan because he wasn't really exciting. He was obviously mm-hmm. his nickname was Big Fundamentals. Um, but I'm looking at Jokic and just the way he plays the game. And obviously he's polar opposite of LeBron as in physical, physicality mm-hmm. wise. Uh, but, you know, they like to get their team involved. And, and when I look back on my career, I'm always like, oh, I wish, you know, I could have been more of a facilitator and more of a ball handler. Mm-hmm. But. I remember how difficult that is. And I don't mm-hmm. think people understand no, they don't. the responsibility of handling the ball until you go and watch a freshman team or someone younger and they struggle to get the ball at the court. And that's why teams press. And then it hits me like, wow, like I, I took that for granted having people like handle the ball mm-hmm. um, to have be a seven footer, still handle the ball, be able to facilitate, yeah. be able to score. Like, I just want to hear, I guess your opinion on, on Jokic as a player. I think he's an absolutely tremendous player. He's uh, steps out of the mold, and but today's centers, as particularly in the NBA, the old school center of go down post low and we'll throw the ball into you. That's as we know, that's dead. Yeah. You know, I've, I've I've always been a big fan of Joel Embiid. Uh, my daughter worked for the 76ers for eight years, oh, okay. so I got to see several of their games, and uh, he was just he's he is a phenomenal player. But he's hurt. He yeah, gets hurt. He gets yeah. hurt. He gets hurt. And the Joker, he he just keeps playing. He just <laughs> yes, keeps playing. And uh, I think he's a, a tremendous player. And the fact that his demeanor doesn't change much, as to someone who has ever coached before, that's what you want. I mean, you want somebody who just comes in and works, is good, mm-hmm. and uh, plays the game, I guess, the old cliche, the way it's intended to be played. Yeah. And uh, so I, I have great admiration for him. That's what's up. Well, so (laughs) 
I don't know if, if there's people out there that have never played basketball in like an organized setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you've played any pickup basketball, you know how physical basketball is. You know how, like, I would say I'm an easygoing person for the most part. And you've been around mm-hmm. me for sure. virtually my whole life. Basketball just is different. It just brings anger out of me. <laughs> and I feel like you see a lot of people wanting foul calls and all that. And we're not mm-hmm. going to get into referees. But I, I say all that to say, to to kind of get back to your demeanor. Like, I'm sure there's been bigger, stronger people trying to, like, mm-hmm. get him out of his, his rhythm and all that. And I just want to touch on, like, it's not hard to – it's not easy to keep a, a, no. a even keel in, in basketball. Um, but I just want to say that cause I would, you know, yell at refs a lot and get out of character and sure. a lot of people don't see me do that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, Jokic, awesome NBA finals, fun to watch. It's not the warriors. It's not the same teams every time. So that's good. But, <clears throat> uh, and I kind of want to, you know, leeway into coaching and just talk about, you know, certain sports have, we'll say coaches in certain sports get more, I guess, notoriety or credit for wins and then other mm-hmm. ones. Uh, I think managers in baseball are a little bit, you know, I guess undersold people in Cleveland think of Tito highly, but I think in general in baseball, you know, the manager doesn't really get as much credit. Uh, and the same, you know, for, especially in the NBA C- college, different coaches, you know, mm-hmm. in high school, but in the NBA, I feel that coaching doesn't really get, um, you know, it's, it's so easy to criticize. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of want to go into this. NBA is not the only place that people criticize coaches <laughs> or refs for that mm-hmm. matter. Um, and now that I'm out, I, I really, I'm avoiding coaching at, at all mm-hmm. costs. Um, but I did coach basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really young. So it's really hard to get mad at me. Uh, I just want to kind of talk about how you dealt with that, especially, you know, in this area where sports you know, sports is very important, probably mm-hmm. to a lot of school districts, but to Tuscarawas County, sports is huge. Mm-hmm. And to be at some um, some programs that sports means a lot to, and you be you being a, a basketball coach that you're not one of those that's going to bite your tongue and let stuff happen. You're going to mm-hmm. let the player know where they messed up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some parents you know, don't like that. Some players don't like that and they're going to complain, but just share your thoughts, you know, especially, you know, what you wrote about in the book, how criticize criticism and all that stuff plays into coaching and, and kind of give us a vantage point that a lot of people don't think about, Mm -hmm. uh, when they're so biased because their kids are involved. (laughs) Well, I I can answer that rather simply. It might take me a little bit to get the full effect of it, but the best thing I did when I was in college I became a basketball referee. I got my license and uh, I began working. At that time, they were called junior high games and both boys and girls. Girls basketball was sort of in its infancy. And uh, so I, I worked a lot of boys and girls junior high basketball games. I worked freshman boys games and I worked JV. And one of the things that I did, I went to Kent State University, the Portage County League Officials Association, which I joined. Um, they had a, a unique way of dealing with young referees. They would assign for a varsity and reserve game, they would have assigned three officials, the two varsity and one JV. Each varsity guy was responsible for bringing along a JV guy. And then each varsity guy would work a half 
with the JV guy during the JV game. Mm-hmm. So I became exposed some to top-notch officiating coming out of the gate. And I had guys explaining to me the game, explaining to me what to look for, what not to look for, uh, what to ignore, and so on. But most importantly, through that whole thing, I developed thick skin. And, uh, and that was important. That was really important. And you have to understand, this will sound uh, strange, too, but that time I had some long hair going, <laughs> you know. And at one point, I even had a beard going with it, too. But that didn't, the beard didn't last long, but the hair did. So, of course, during that time, we were getting yelled at the hippies and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but, uh, but I learned that. I mean, I learned that if you're going to be in this game, you've got to focus on the task at hand and try to block out everything you can. That was very important to me. And also, when I was in college, I, um, when I did my student teaching, I did it at Streetsboro High School. And I went to the head coach, and I said, look, I really would like to start coaching and helping with you, you know. And he was a little suspect, you know, I was a young guy, blah, blah, blah. So I started coming to all the practices and working with him. And I realized, hey, good heavens, these guys are terrible. I mean, it was, <laughs> I, I mean, I really was shocked. And the, it was, what was most interesting is that as soon as the head coach accepted that I had been trained by Charlie Huggins, my credibility suddenly went up. Mm. And he started listening. And at one point, he told his JV coach not to come to the the Friday night and Saturday night games because I was going to coach him. So I, I still remember that I'm thinking, because he came to me after Thursday's practice and said, his kids are yours. And I said, how about Ken? What's going on with Ken? And he said, I sent him away. He's not going to be here for two days. So, okay. So suddenly uh, I'm thrust into coaching. He's, but my point is that was very important for me. Someone understood that I was pretty well prepared. And any of us who came through the program at Indian Valley South, we were very well prepared. But I didn't know it until I started having to apply it. Because I remember talking to the, the coach, and he said, uh, what was that defense you guys played a lot? And I said, well, we played man most of the time, but we played a lot of matchup. And he said, uh, tell me about this matchup. So I started explaining it to him, and I realized, here's a guy who was a head coach who had no concept of what this was. Wow. But I had already been doing it for three years as a player, as well as anybody I played with. So I, it, it doesn't, I don't want it to sound arrogant, because I'm referring to the, the uh, preparation that I received from Coach Huggins. Yeah. He had us so well prepared. And many of us, when we graduated from college, we went into education and became coaches. Gotcha. So, uh, so when you watch Bobby, uh, you know, he's the same product of the same tree. You know? Yeah. So That's awesome. And, and, and we're going to get a little bit into, you know, Charlie, because you've got um, uh, a chapter uh, mm-hmm. per se, you know, dedicated to him and mm-hmm. what he taught you and, you know, a lot of things. Sure. Um, and, and I really I love that, too. So I want to really get on that. Uh, but I want to talk about young athletes. And I know I'm an athlete who played uh, three sports. Uh, while I was in, in high school, and I want to refrain from saying all sports because mm-hmm. there's other sports right. than football, baseball, and basketball. Sure. Um, my son loves soccer, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting on the soccer bandwagon. Good. Uh, but there's a lot of, of stuff going on, and you being a coach and coaching, you know, in uh, different eras and, you know, being responsible for, for kids mm-hmm. that are growing up in different times. And obviously, I know I was different than the kids in the 80s and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, how is it that, you know, do you, I'll start off with saying this. Do you believe that kids are, I don't want to say softer, but it's, 
you have to change the way you coach or the way you were taught uh, by Huggins to coach to the kids today? I do. Okay. I do. And uh, it's, you know, when you deal with kids, you have to identify what kind of kid you're dealing with here. Okay. Are you dealing with a kid that you can just drive, you know, or are you dealing with a kid who's really soft, you know, and you've got to make him tougher or that's just the way that he is, mm -hmm. you know, or are you dealing with a kid who is going to accept all the coaching, never change demeanor and just, you know, sort of uh, make his presence felt in any way that he can. But kids today, uh, and this, I hesitate to, to go off on this because I don't want to go off yeah, on yeah, it, yeah. but it's, it sounds like I'm an old man saying, well, kids today, but yeah, yeah. in reference to your question, times are different. But I also think, and this will sound maybe sacrilegious to some, I don't think that parents have to go to every activity that their kid is a part of. You know, it's, their kids are going to be involved, but if they become so dependent, looking in the stands, where's my mom? Where's my dad? Where, mm -hmm. You know, the ultimate goal for kids when they get out of school is to become independent. Yeah. And if they're dependent forever, it's pretty tough to shake that. But do I think kids are softer? Back to your original question. I'm not going to say softer. I'm going to say that our society and the fine line that you have to walk because parents will jump all over you. Yeah. Um, you know, if they see you yelling at your kid and, you know, and I, as a coach, I was never hesitant about getting on kids, as mm -hmm. you mentioned, because kids knew I liked them. Kids knew that I cared for them. I yeah. had them in class and so on. But at the same time, you don't become better if you're allowed to get away with cutting corners. Yeah. And uh, I, most of the great coaches that I have been around, and I've been, had the good fortune to be around a lot of them, they drive their kids. But yet they also know when it's time to put your arm around them and you talk with them and go from there. So let's don't beat up on the kids yeah. today and let's don't beat up on the parents. Let's accept the times have changed, but also let's understand that we need kids to learn how to be independent. And sometimes doing that means mom and dad are not in the stands watching. Yeah. So uh, just, you know, a personal thing on my part, but uh, uh, I firmly believe that. I would say I largely agree as well. Um, and you even shared moments with me and Coach If did because I would say, you know, Bobby, uh, Coach Bob Von Kennel was, you know, he would, he would get on, mm -hmm. you know, on you a lot if you weren't showing effort mm -hmm. mainly. Um, he's not going to get on you because you missed a shot. No. <laughs> like, like, come on. But um, the thing I realized is my dad was the same way. I just kind of grew up with that. And I, th I expected that. And if I didn't get – you know, if someone let me an adult or coach or teacher, let me get away with something. And I was just mm -hmm. like, huh, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I just expected that type of, uh, I want to call it, I guess, criticism mm -hmm. if, if something, if I needed it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think I did not, uh, progress well if I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm sure there's, like you said, sure. there's different kids. Sure. Um, but I just, I wanted to hear your, your, your perspective I, on that to, to just sort of, go a step further with that. Mm -hmm. Certain things that I always held in great regard with kids when I coached them. Number one, I wanted effort. I mean, every coach does. I wanted kids to just hang it out there, play hard, and when they couldn't go, then we get them out and put somebody else in for a little bit. That was always a very big thing to me. I wanted them to be able to participate in the team structure, distributing the ball, doing a variety of things. And third and equally important, 
I did not want them to look in the stands for their parents because yeah. I thought, no, this is my classroom <laughs> yeah. right here. And, and I'm the one you're listening to at that point or coach Vaughn Kennel or whoever yeah. else was our assistant. But, and we didn't have that problem very often, but the kids were, uh, you know, kids in Dover were, and, and other places I coached too, were very malleable. I mean, they wanted to learn yeah. and they wanted to win. And, uh, that's the, such a big thing you know is this this winning can you know i don't say it cures all ills but boy it helps <laughs> i'm gonna tell you yeah yeah for sure and you know a lot of people get used to that and uh, you kind of expect it and that's not bad it's just mm -hmm. you know sometimes we forget how difficult it is mm -hmm. to keep you know especially with you know the divisions we're in sure. and the competition we're facing it, it gets mm -hmm. difficult um and, and with all that being said as well uh, I kind of want to go into, you know, uh, a part of the book that doesn't necessarily, you know, hammer, you know, the sports point home. Mm -hmm. But I think it has a lot of, you know, ramifications, similar ramifications as you just talked about with students looking up in the stands. You know, mm -hmm. I was never one that would do something bad or do something yeah. and look for my parents approval because, mm -hmm. you know, my dad wasn't that type of he was he would get on me at home, mm -hmm. but he was not yelling from the stands. He wouldn't mm -hmm. be yelling at coaches or and so. he was a ref as well. So he definitely didn't mm -hmm. yell at refs. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I guess I got a, a, a slightly different um, you know, perspective on that outlook. Sure. Uh, but the educational thing, and I, and I agree strongly because that's all I was obsessed with was, you know, in the educational system was making sure I got good grades. And mm -hmm. when I got bad test scores, it like, it really messed with me mentally. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get into any college. And it, it, you know, it weighed on me. Um, and I was one of those that every time I got a grade back, I was calculating my GPA because mm -hmm. I knew <laughs> that my dad was, he was, if, if he was tough on me in anything, it was making sure my report card and mm -hmm. my grades were good. And that kind of goes to your point. Um, in the book, you talked about, you know, I feel like our society is more about getting good grades than learning. Yep. And correct me if I yep. mischaracterize that, but is that, is That's, that correct? I firmly believe that. And, and I've, Felt that way for a long time, but it wasn't until I got to college level and teaching kids when I realized uh, the mistake that an awful lot of kids make in doing just what you said. I'll give you a perfect example. When I was teaching at Walsh, um, I taught freshman English, and the greatest majority of the kids I had were, uh, they did not take an AP curriculum. Many of them mm. did not take a college prep curriculum. They just took regular English, okay? And they would come into my classroom, and Josh, or certainly you can attest to this, <laughs> but uh, they, many of them were writing at about the level of kids I had in freshman or sophomore English in high school. And when I would ask them about their writing, what did you do in high school? Tell me what you did, blah, blah, blah. Well, the greatest majority of them, believe it or not, said, well, we didn't write very much, you know, and I, my inner reaction is well, no kidding you know <laughs> i can see that but uh but what was happening is that most of them said they said they got a's or b's in high school english well that i had an awful lot of kids that were season d's and some below that because the writing skills were horrendous so yeah. so don't misunderstand me the good ones the good ones were really stood out from everybody else yeah. but my point is just that that when when a kid is is, is involved in an educational situation. And I realize so much of it has to deal with maturity, but 
it's more about getting grades than it is about getting an education. But when you start paying for it, it becomes a little different ballgame. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I have an example with that as well. You know, obviously I was paying for my own college because I was not smart and I didn't take any full rides. Oh, you were smart. <laughs> you were smart. Well, I mean, in, in my decision making, I felt like my dad sure. was alive. As soon as I got that first scholarship offer, he was like, all right, we're, we're signing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I end up, uh, you know, going to school and, and luckily I was drafted and was able to pay off my student loans immediately. But mm-hmm. um, I realized the difference between my 18 to 21 college years mm-hmm. till my 30 one to 33 college years where I was just trying to get by and make sure that to society and to public eyes that these were my grades and they were good. Mm -hmm. And then later it's just different. I've read more books from the age 25 to now than, Mm -hmm. and and I was in school and I I would admit I didn't have your class, Mm -hmm. but you know, there was some, resources that you could use to mm-hmm. get by without reading to complete mm-hmm. the class. Uh, I use them and, uh, <laughs> you know, cause I was a math, I took AP, you know, calculus. I was math science. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask to be in, be in honors language arts, but they put me in those. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but for me, learning and getting an education is just the hunger. I feel like I wish there was a way we can like reverse it. Yeah. So where obviously there's a point where you're a sponge. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, like when you're first born all the way up until, you know, mm-hmm. six, seven, eight, I don't know what that age is, but then there's a point teenage years where you're just like, I just want to do what I want to do. Sure. <laughs> and then, well, like I said, when I, right when I got my diploma and I, I got my degree from uh, Northeastern uh, in Boston, which I had a plan to walk over to Harvard and take a picture like I graduated from there. You know, it's red. It's a different tint, but um, it's all for, you know, others. It's not for like, hey, you know, I accomplished this or, hey, I learned this when I was in school. And uh, and I want to kind of get back to the point of and I'm not asking you to bash parents, but Mm -hmm. it's just I think nowadays I'm I'm, I feel like I'm going to be more of an old school parent and kind of replicate what my dad did. You know, he expected me to have good grades, but he was mm-hmm. never going to go in and vouch for me and say, hey, my kid should have this grade mm-hmm. or just make an excuse for me. Sure. Um, and I just feel like it's a it's a different time. And did you have any experiences like firsthand with maybe a, a parent or there being some altercation about a kid's grade or something like that? Every now and then. Every now and then. Every now and then something. you run into that. But they... The people who were most worrisome, and I don't mean worrisome to me, but were worrisome in regard to raising their child, were the ones who were great obsessed. Their kids had to have an A. They had to have an A. And typically, when I would uh, deal with them in conferences, I'd try to talk them off the ledge a little bit, you know, because it was like there are more (laughs) important things. That might be me then. I don't know. I might more important things. I I can only share this with you, Percy, although uh, my wife and and my uh, two children were not aware of, I mean, it wasn't like we sat down and had all these conversations, but we were both on the same page that we were more interested in our children being well-adjusted than we were them being four-point students. We wanted them to understand you know, you got to learn how to get along with people. You got to learn how to compromise. You got to learn how to understand other people. You know, that not everybody is the same. We're all wired differently 
that kind of thing. Mm. Now, did we make mistakes along the way? Well, my heavens, yes. Anytime you're a parent, you fly by the seat of your pants <laughs> and hope you do something right <laughs> along the way. Yes. But because of the fact that we were raising our own two children, we learned a lot from each other. I was kind of the uh, psycho dad from time to time, and my <laughs> wife was the one who was able to uh, to rein things in. Yeah. So uh, I think I learned more from those situations than I did anything else. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and you talk about your wife, you know, sometimes, and I feel like we share that as well. You know, there's certain things that can have me trip or get over excited mm-hmm. about certain things. Um, but, you know, and I know we, we, we've touched on coaching and, and education and being a coach and a mm-hmm. teacher. There's uh, I, I equate it similar to being like an athlete because there's certain expectations that you're held to. Mm-hmm. Um, now obviously your pay isn't next to an athlete, but, um, which is a whole nother topic, but we're not going to get into that today. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, we all have people uh, and we give credit to certain people who have allowed us to be great at what we're doing. Um, and you mentioned your wife and, uh, you know, I want to talk about, you know, role models Mm -hmm. and, you know, you, you talk about your wife a lot and, you know, you guys just parenting and uh, but I want to kind of because we talked about this a little bit and you talk about it in your book as well. You know, women in our society and how things have progressed and what mm-hmm. things used to look like for your mom or sure. your, your dad just she had to be by yeah. his side, which I admire. It made mm-hmm. me kind of think like, dang, do, why do I want to be away from my <laughs> wife so much? <laughs> Might want to edit that. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna take that out. (laughs) But um, uh, um, like we're like women. There, there are certain women that you admire, Mm -hmm. and uh, I, I want to think. I want to see if it's similar reasons Mm -hmm. uh, to why I admire those same women. Not your wife as much, but Mm -hmm. I know there might be some other women that you bring up. But because I want to get to Charlie Huggins too, but Mm -hmm. uh, let's let's talk about you know because I said I want to have more women on the show, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we don't have any here today, but we can talk about them Mm -hmm. uh, in a positive light. Um, So the women in your life, Mm -hmm. how did they mold you? How did they encourage you? And how did they, uh, you know, impress you and, and, and kind of change your life or, Mm -hmm. or guide your life in a, in a certain way? Well, uh, obviously my mother (laughs) was a big role, but you know, it's funny as I look back, she, Bushy and my dad are are gone now, but I never remember being mad at my mom, nor do I ever remember catching the devil from my mom. My (laughs) dad, you know, he was sort of the one that uh, ruled the roost. And, uh, but I I learned as much from both of them, but I was probably closer uh, in, in an emotional sort of way to my mother. Uh, So, you know, she played a distinct role. And I had a sister, of course, who, you know, she was the straight A's and I was uh, not. We'll just leave it at that. She was a well-behaved one. And again, I was not, yes. you know, one of those deals. But uh, professionally, there, there really are three women that have played significant roles in my life. Um, one was uh, Dr. Montefair, who was here at Dover. She was a uh, very strong woman. And, but she was also the kind of woman that said, look, you do your job. You never have a problem with me. You know, but if you are going to start um, cutting kids short, and just to make your life a little easier, now you're going to have a problem with me. Mm. And I admired the fact that she uh, she could could play with the boys' club. I mean, she wasn't afraid yeah. uh, or intimidated. And then uh, Carrie McCrae, the, the current superintendent at Dover, when we hired her, um, way back we hired her you know, out of college. 
And uh, I was, you know, on the interview team, interviewed her and all that stuff, as I was with Dr. Fair. But uh, Carrie was, she was so good because there was something about her that told me this girl's got a picture. You know, being a high school English teacher is not going to be her, you know, end game. There was a lot more to her. But she was the same way. I watched her grow in her profession, and I watched her develop into a, uh, a true professional educator uh, who was very, she, she's very well read and she knew um, how to keep her thumb on things, put it that way. And then the third one, of course, is my wife. You know, I watched my wife start from the beginning, uh, very, you know, the bottom of the nursing profession and work her way up to president of Altman Hospital today. And, but she has paid her dues. Yeah. And, and the thing I'm saying when I mention about her and Carrie and Dr. Fair, they all paid their dues. You know, I, I watched my wife, you know, earn her doctorate after going to school for year after year after year after year and finally achieve that dream. And my point, I think, has been made that yeah. there, there are women who I admire who are driven. And at the same time, we all know that males, we have a little big ego, you know, <laughs> from time to time. And we do need people to keep us in line. Yes. And uh, we never like to admit it. But as I've gotten a little bit older, I've realized, yeah, you know, I need people to keep me in like keep me between the guardrails, as they say. Yeah. Um, and I heard a speech from um, uh, a basketball coach and athletic director uh, in Holmes County. Um, and I think he has, he has a podcast as well. But uh, I heard him speak and he, and he talked about blind spots. Mm-hmm. And I kind of equate that to we you do. know keeping in line because there's certain things you know we can't see everything, mm-hmm. um, and the wife you know mother or you know someone that you know professionally that is maybe your superior or not but just can see the blind spots you have that type mm-hmm. of relationship where she can say hey so and so you know you're kind of wrong here or hey you're missing sure. this yep. and I think that's very important to mm-hmm. know where you know people say know thyself but mm-hmm. know where those blind spots are and True. then you know know to in when my wife points them out i let her know i'm like hey when we're in a uh we're making good com- uh, conversation and communication is good i let her know hey mm-hmm. when we do have our bad moments it's because i you know my ego at the time i want to be right mm-hmm. but an hour later I'll do exactly what you said because mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it's right. <laughs> but at the yeah. time I'm like, Ugh. sure. And we, you know, we know as well that the, the hardest person to understand is ourselves. You know, it's not somebody else. It's, it's us because we see what we think is there. Mm. We don't necessarily see what others see when they are uh, checking True. us out. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, I think that's an important yeah. uh, little life lesson along the way. Yeah. And I talked about this on the uh, podcast before, but um, you know, I, when I was getting ready for my wedding and I was about to sing a perform a song at my wedding until I recorded myself and really heard and saw what it looked and sounded like. And I said, okay, no, I am not. But in your mind when it's happening and you have someone singing along with mm-hmm. you who actually can sing, mm-hmm. uh, it sounds a little different. Mm-hmm. So now I see what everybody else sees. Whenever so you, <laughs> so you, you were not Smokey Robinson. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Was not, was okay. not. And there's it. So it, I did not sing at my wedding, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Uh, but, uh, and there's some other things that we're probably going to have to push to the next episode, but mm-hmm. I want to hear, cause I have a lot of people that I, look up to as mentors i don't really think i have one person that i'm like above all this person you know besides god Mm -hmm. (laughs) is the one person that molded my life um but you know you have a a a chapter in your book 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's dedicated to Charlie Huggins. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of want to hear you verbalize a lot of the stuff or vocalize a lot of the stuff that you have in this book just about Charlie, because I feel like I share a lot of the sentiment sentiments about coaches I've had in the past. Mm-hmm. And I always hear these horror stories from teammates, both Hi, uh, other high school players I talk to, other college level players, and professional level players, mm-hmm. and sometimes I take it with a grain of salt. Like I think they're bitter about certain situations, which I am as well. You mm-hmm. know, I feel like I should have been able to shoot more, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's a reality to it as well. And I just feel like I was blessed with coaches, great coaches, all the way up through the ranks. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm assuming that's rare because of the stories I hear, but. You know, just talk about the the role um, uh, that Charlie Huggins played in your life and kind of mm-hmm. helped mold you. Um, you know, obviously you had the women in your life that made a big impact, but mm-hmm. Charlie, you know, obviously basketball yeah. and coaching. You know, when he came to Indian Valley South, I was a sophomore, and he got gathered us in the gymnasium. It was a real small gym, and we were seated there on the bleachers, and he started telling us how we were going to get to the state tournament and win the state championship. We had never even thought about that. I mean, that was just not. We were just a 500 or below group of kids. We weren't. That was nothing on our radar. So the very first thing he did was he gave us a goal. That was very important. And before long, we started believing that maybe that's something we could do. And, uh, of course, part of it was at that time, uh, we were just young kids. And when Bobby came in, the world changed, you know, because Bobby was a tremendous player. And had two other kids who moved in from Indian Valley North who had moved in somewhere through middle school in, in a freshman year of high school. And they made a tremendous difference. So all of a sudden, we went from being average to being pretty good, yeah. really good. And by the time we were done, he, he, within two years, we were state champions. Wow. And in three years, we were state runners up before we, my senior year we graduated. Uh, we, when we graduated, we were, uh, lost the state championship game mm. in the fourth quarter, 42 to 37. Just right. like – we never forget that, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, not, but not. that's how that was. But he he instilled discipline in us. There was a trust there. There was a credibility to him. He had won a state championship at Strasburg in '67. Uh, he was uh, among coaching gurus. He was the man, and he drove us. Uh, put limitations on us. Uh, we had to go to camp out at Eastern Ohio Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday nights and play in a three man league. We didn't really have a choice. I mean, it was what we were going to do. And at that time, not many of us were driving. Somebody would. We'd load up in the back of a pickup truck and lay down on the floor <laughs> and ride to uh, ride to Sherrisville and hope we didn't get picked up by a state highway patrol. <laughs> and then we would uh, play basketball till dark, and then we'd come home, and uh, next week repeat the same thing. When we used to go to basketball camp out there, the first, first year he had camp was when I was in between my sophomore and junior year. And... Uh, we um, went there. We would go on Sunday afternoon, and we'd be dismissed on, I think it was either late Friday night or Saturday morning. And, there, of course, there was nothing to do except play basketball. Yeah. I mean, that was it. So my point is we learned to sacrifice. We learned dedication. We learned discipline. And we learned to be goal-oriented. All those things were things that we wanted and we wanted to win. We came together. And I've, I've oftentimes thought he adopted um, the approach that Billy Martin took when he was a manager with the Yankees everybody in Oakland and so on. He wanted players to hate him but not each other. Mm. So to have someone to direct your anger at, a common opponent, 
And, and I think he thrived in that because each one of us at various points just wa- hated him and just wanted to quit <laughs> and walk out of there, including, you know, Bobby and Harry, Larry, all his sons. We all wanted to. I mean, yeah. there's no hiding that. But he had the one thing. And there were a lot of guys that had quit and, and wished they never had. But he wanted he knew we wanted to win more than anything else. And and it became that way when I continued coaching. I mean, it, it all became, okay, we, you know, it's nice to do this and that. How'd you do? What was the score? Did we win? Yeah. You know, and not that that was the be all and end all, <laughs> yeah. but that was the goal. And uh, so, yeah, he shaped me tremendously. But in truth, I don't know if I fully appreciated it until later in life. And uh, I had a moment with him out of camp. I described it in the book where um, he congratulated me on my success as a coach and so on. And I thanked him. And when I drove home, I had tears in my eyes because it was, uh, it was a moment I'd been waiting for my whole life to hear his approval. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I got it, I thought, wow, you know, I, it, it was, it was big. It was yeah. big. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it is different when you hear, you know, the approval of someone that you really deeply respect sure and and uh has made an impact on your life so that's a dope story and mm-hmm. uh you know i obviously wanted to cover that now we got some other things that i wanted to get to but we'll have to postpone those until the to the next time we have okay uh coach gunther on um you know and we're gonna talk maybe about pro football hall of fame and you know mm-hmm. and uh also just i like picking your brain more about basketball because i still love the sport Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, just wasn't as good, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, again, guys, uh, check this book out. Um, like I said, we'll put links in the description. Uh, this is definitely something that's going to stay in, in my rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, along with some, uh, what was that author Damon, the, the, energy bus do you know that damon west damon west so i have a couple of his books in rotation too so um Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed this and and i've never read a book of this format too so i think the format makes it more enticing and when i find something i want to read i just i want to keep doing it but i'm like ah you know maybe i'll leave some for a different time but um but again thank you for coming uh thank you for sharing your thoughts um and uh you know appreciate it yeah appreciate the opportunity well, uh, like I said, we'll have you back. I'll be in touch. And um, uh, is that correct, Josh, where you said he was your – was it his class was your favorite or was he your favorite teacher? Oh, okay. Well, look at that. Thanks, Josh. Wow. Wow. Math is the best, so I would have to say. <laughs> well, we're all, we, were, we were all wired a little differently. Josh was wired kind of like me yeah. a lot. And you were wired uh, – just you weren't an English – Guy, no, you know, he was a math tech guy, and that's, and understanding that is very important. You know? Yeah, yeah, but so, I've, I've there's things that you do later in life where you're like, huh, I kind of wish I would have, you know, maybe developed the skill a little bit more, uh, just because I thought technology and stuff would get away from writing, but no, mm-hmm. <laughs> no it it's always it's always going to be there, yeah. and having that skill is good. So uh, I'm going to continue to work at it, and I. I've even got a, a fake pencil <laughs> where I write on my iPad. So, uh, but anyways, okay. uh, again, I appreciate you guys. Uh, I appreciate you for being here. Appreciate mm-hmm. you, Josh. And uh, I can't wait till they see uh, the things that are changing. And uh, I thank uh, you viewers for tun- for tuning in. I appreciate you guys. Again, make sure you like and subscribe. Uh, we're trying to get to that number of 1,000. 
we still haven't hit the halfway mark, but I still believe. I just have to, uh, you know, be more consistent and, and get the content out to you guys. But mm-hmm. we'll keep it coming. Um, but, uh, again, everything you're going to need to know is down in the description. Check it out. Also, check out the website, percygarner.com. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me or, or see anything that I'm doing in my community or, you know, because I try to make a difference right now as well. So, uh, I appreciate you guys for listening. Again, we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.